Welcome to B2B Revenue Leaders. I'm your host, Dustin Tizik. B2B Revenue Leaders is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps you get more out of your best customer stories by creating customer video micro content for your entire buyer's journey. On this episode, I'm joined by Leslie Vinets, who is the founder of Sales Team Builder and an advisor and evangelist at Reggie.ai. We end up talking about a bunch of topics and everything from older tactics and strategies becoming new again in a recession, what can make cold calling good or bad, and the importance of micro communities going forward in 2023. Hey, Leslie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dustin. Happy to be here. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about as everyone is a little bit, the recession or whatever you want to call it. Are we there yet? Are we not? Um, but you mentioned something really interesting before we started recording is you think, you know, everything that was old will be new again in the recession. And some of those tactics are going to come back. It's a broad question, but let's start there. Like maybe describe what you think is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of trains of thought. So first of all, I sold through the great recession. So I think some of this is very much informed by those experiences and, and what, you know, I saw happening in the broader sales community. Um, but I, I kind of seen this trend lined in my career a lot. Um, and I, you know, I think we saw it a bit during COVID where suddenly everybody pivoted to email and particularly, particularly using like LinkedIn and InMail. Mm-hmm. And in the first two months of the recession, we saw 40% uptick in in-mail, right? So it was like this like cool new technology that people were excited to use, but because folks flooded to it, it really became easy to be white noise. I think that we're seeing it again with the, the you know, open AI, the chat GPT, GPT, G. Yeah, you got. You know what I'm. Yeah, I was like, wait, did I get those acronyms (laughs) right? Um, Where folks are so excited about it and like, sweet, be excited, have fun, be creative. But as everybody else is flooding to figure out how to use AI to write sequences, which I do too. I use a tool called Reggie Plus Lavender Plus. Like I use a whole suite of AI tools. But as folks are flooding to capitalize on the what's new, I think there are going to be some really cool opportunities to go back to. Things like handwritten notes that like yeah. nobody takes the time to do. And if you get a handwritten note, what do you think the probability is that you're going to open that? Yeah, I, I like that idea. My writing is terrifying though, so I'd have to get someone to, to ghostwrite it for me. But I, I agree. Like, I feel like, I think I'd say this as being in sales and marketing, we tend to ruin channels that work over time just because it gets saturated, becomes automated, technology comes in. You know, we saw it even on the marketing side with like ebooks and the whole inbound thing that went too far. Um, so I, I like that the handwritten note, you know, gifting we've seen coming back a little bit. What about cold calling? Where does that fit in, you know, to that mix? I mean, cold calling is cold calling is like Betty White, just a national treasure. <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. Betty White's better than cold calling, but, um, it's, it's one of those things that I, you know, I think it's such an emotionally charged topic and, you you know, at least once a week on the LinkedIn newsfeed, you see the the cold calling's dead post, um, because it's really hard to do well. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are bad at it. 
So that makes them hate it. Uh, and then it makes the people getting the cold calls obviously hate it. So I think that at a time where cold calling is, is sort of at a bit of a low because we are so focused on connecting with people on social channels or writing these, you know, amazing emails using AI or using our, you know, like a PLG, like, you know, inbound strategy, um, that flexing those cold call muscles, getting really good at it, being able to get to the point to deliver value quickly, to make it worth the time of the person that has picked up on the other end. Um, if you can do that well, there's just so much less noise in that space. And so few people doing it really well, I think that's an opportunity just to, to make tremendous impact. And I would actually challenge you on your bad handwriting, Dustin, because <laughs> I don't think it matters as much what you write in the handwritten message so much as like it, it matters that you took the time yeah. to send it. I think that's really like a, it's an effort that counts sort of situation. Yeah, I think that just to bleed into the cold calling side as well, you can, I've gotten a few cold calls in my day, some good, some bad, but you can tell almost right off the jump did they put an effort or are they hammering out 200 of these in a row, you know, connect and sell anyone who picks up, I'm going to pitch the same thing. And I, I actually don't mind good cold calls. Like I've got somewhere, I had a nice conversation with the person and I waited like five minute conversation, 10 minute conversation. I've had others where in the first 10 seconds I'm out. So what are some, some tips there to not fall in that? Oh no, a cold call I'm out bucket. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very relatable. I think we've, probably everybody listening to this has gotten both the good and the bad yeah. cold calls. Um, and just shout out to all of the sales and marketing leaders who treat SDRs like they are humans. Um, so th thanks yeah. to all those folks who are listening. Um, so there's, there's two schools of thought on how to start cold calls. Um, one is a permission-based opener. The other is reason for the call. I'm a huge advocate of reason for the call. I think part of that is it's just my personality, like permission-based mm -hmm. openers feel really cheesy and cringy to me, so I would never be confident and comfortable doing that. Um, part of it is that I spent the majority of my career penetrating enterprise accounts, penetrating the C-suite, so like cutesy little things just yeah. don't, they just don't move the needle as much at that, that level. Um, so I, I prefer reason for the call, which would literally be like Dustin Leslie calling for sales from sales team builder. The reason for the call is, and then it is something that is relevant and valuable to you, the person that has picked up the line. Um, with that being said, the best way to open a call is the way that you, the caller, are most confident in. And if that's permission-based openers, like I am not yucking your yum, but still make sure that you follow that permission-based opener up with something that is valuable, something that is relevant for that person that's giving you their time when they answered. Yeah, I think the, the relevant and also the straight to the point and getting it out there quick. Because um, there's, yeah, like, there is that thing where someone will pitch, you know, this is my product, this is what we do, and then ramble for 30 seconds. And I get that. I'm sure I've done that a billion times too, especially back in the day when I was, you know, knocking on doors or calling people and just hoping to get through my script. But it's one of those things where it's a lot of like me, 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 me at yeah. the start. It's it's just hard to get engaged as as much as you might want to, right? You're so right. And I mean, it's the same best practice that you want to have in your LinkedIn messages, in your yeah. cold emails. Um, if your message reads, I, me, we, company, 
it's about you. It's not about yeah. the person getting it. And if, if we aren't centering the buyer in all of our communication, whether it's a handwritten note, whether it is, you know, a cold call or something else, um, then we're really missing a trick. And, you know, to, to your question about sort of like the what's old is new again with an eye on the recession, you know, I, I have a feeling that the people who are extremely intentional about centering the buyer instead of themselves, their company, their product in these coming months will be the same group of folks that come out a step ahead at the end of this potential recession, actual recession, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> yeah, and I think kind of pulling, like taking the elephant in the room and putting it up front. And, you know, as a marketer, if people are selling to me, they probably know we don't have the crazy budget we did two years ago. We're being cautious. We're being efficient. Funding hasn't dried up, but it's different. It's a different world, right? So someone calling that out in an authentic, relevant way will usually catch my eye. Um, I'm just worried it goes into the, you know, a year and a half after the pandemic, it was still, I hope everything is good and you're safe. And, you know, the message kind of continued without value, right? So I think really the yeah. relevancy part I'm kind of trying to hammer home there is super important. Yeah, I, I mean, I have some extremely strong opinions on the <laughs> I hope you're well opener for, for calls, yeah. for emails. Um, and, and it really it really echoes the use of that like I, we language that starting an email with I hope you're well, it's, a, it's about you. It's, mm -hmm. it's done to make you the sender of the email feel better. It has nothing to do with the person getting the email. You are a complete stranger. Like the fact that you, you hope something like that is meaningless to them. So it is really this like false platitude meant to make you the sender feel better about intruding into their inbox. And I think we're on the same page that a much better way to earn the right to intrude in their inbox is sharing something valuable and relevant that can help them in their, in their job today. Totally. Something I had to overcome and maybe it's the Canadian in me was like trying to be too polite up yeah. front, especially if you're selling, you know, VPN up, let's say they don't need or want that usually depend on the personality, but they want direct, tell me this in as short, a condensed form as you can. So to tie it back to the AI tool, like maybe you write your whole thing and say, Hey, uh, chat GPT, condense this, make it shorter. Um, but I feel like I, I struggled with that. I was just trying to be too polite and doing those platitudes. And now I look back and think, yeah, it totally not necessary. Yeah. You know, and I would add, because I, I know that there are folks that are just not comfortable ditching them and like, whatever, right? We're all at a different yeah. sort of point in our, in our journey and our sales career. So my call to action for those individuals that are listening and they're saying, yeah, but don't eliminate it if that's too much too soon. Just drop it to the end of your email so that you're really optimizing yeah. for respondability in that preview text part of your email and you're not taking any of that preview text space for the, I hope you're well or whatever it is. Nice, no, I think that's a really good tip for sure. And maybe this is how I scan emails too, but it's always the subject preview first line and then the PS, it's kind of all I read. If, if those don't catch my eye, it's hard for me to read the whole thing. So I think that's really that. solid advice there. Um, I also love a PS so hard. Um, I'm yeah. just delighted to hear you call that out. It is <laughs> such an incredibly underutilized, like I'm seeing it more now, um, but I still think it is such an incredibly underutilized way to pack more punch into an email mm -hmm. without breaking from what we know works 
the greatest number of times, which are cold emails that sit between like 30 and 80 words. So you, you still have that challenge to lead with value and, and make those, you know, 30 to 80, like five sentences count. But then you can have a, like a sneaky little PS with a deposit or like, you know, something or like, I mean, one to never do, because this is all I get in my inbox right now is PS, stellar, stellar recommendation from Sandy Zen. And it's like whatever the last person is to give me a recommendation. So the PS yeah. has to like matter, but I think it's just such a lovely way to be able to put in one last deposit without detracting from your copy and your actual call to action. Yeah, totally. And the, you know, let's take the 30 word limit. It's really hard to write an email that's 30 words. Like you think 30 words sounds like a lot. It is not. It's a challenge. Um, I do want to shift gears to another topic you throw out because, and I don't know where we're going to go with this one, but I'm super interested in it. And it's about PLG. Okay. And it was, you know, is PLG going to make it through the recession? What's going to change there? Um, so that's super interesting to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts there. I mean, is it? I don't know, Dustin. Um, okay, so here's what I do know. PLG as a concept um, wasn't invented by HubSpot until like 2007. And it was not something that became mainstream at all until 2010. And so when we look at the recession, it was like 2007 to 2009, right? Like the bubble burst in 07, it was dicey um, in 2008 going into 09. Um, and then things evened out. And then you see the next year when the economy starts booming again, that's when, when inbound as a concept, when PLG really took off. Um, so what that means is that inbound has never been tested in a proper recession. And something that you said when, when we were uh, off camera um, or, or you know maybe repeated during the show, show was like the acknowledgement that budgets will be tighter. Yeah. Like the way we make purchases that we will be a bit more discerning with our budgets and, and where we'll place them. And the knock on effect of that is that we, we won't be searching out as many tools Mm -hmm. as much tech to buy. Um, so naturally that like inbound flow, it's, it's just not going to be as strong as it is in, in boom times. So I think that's kind of a statement of fact, but I think what I'm like a lot more interested in, cause I don't think like PLG is not going anywhere. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's a fact. Um, but I think the, the winners will be folks that like, like Bilal Batari has a great fit phrase called death to fluff. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be the folks that really embrace that like death to fluff concept. And they aren't showing up twice a week on a LinkedIn live just to like check the box on the metric. They aren't sending out like the crappy eBooks just to like send forward 700 MQLs that are like a coordinator that's seven levels away from buying. Right? So I think that there is going to be a shift in the quality of PLG motions. And I think that there will be hopefully, hopefully Justin, tighter alignment between what marketing is spending their, their resources on and what the commercial team really needs to succeed. I, I would just so desperately love for the outcome of this to be stronger alignment. Um, between, you know, the entire commercial function, like marketing to SDRs, to AEs, to CSM, to customer success, whatever it is. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think 
to tie it back to AI, actually, I think that's kind of going to force our hands there to be more creative, more interesting, because I can have 90% of a decent blog post or a decent ebook written in one minute with the chat GPT prompt, right? And I'm worried a little bit that everyone's just going to do that. And we're going to have even more noise and everything's kind of going to blend together. So I think the face-to-face -face stuff, so even stuff like this, where it's a conversation, um, you know, it's obviously more authentic and we're not AI, right? Like it's, it's yeah. pretty obvious. I think that, and just the unique creative ways to get content out and kind of edutain people mm -hmm. um, is probably going to be what's going to pay off more um, as well as community, which I also want to talk to you about because yes, uh, yeah, um, I, have... I have a I have a perfect segue there um, yeah. because I was um, I was talking to to my mentor a guy called Josh Braun a couple of weeks ago and it was like you know when ChatGPT was really people were like oh my god what's happening here um, and he made a really important point that it is so good that it in fact allows people to fake expertise mm -hmm. so I think that the response will be a, a greater desire for folks to be closer to the expertise. Like there won't be as much desire to like, I think like read it from a stranger and trust it. They'll want to see yeah. more of this type of interaction. And it's, it's interesting. So you brought up micro communities, which I think is, is like a big trend that we're going to see kind of blow up in 2023. But same, same guy was, um, I had him on my, my business book club in like October, November. Um, and we were forecasting our trends, um, for 2023. And he said that it's going to be a shift in, like webinar, podcast, LinkedIn live formats to fewer kind of like dry interviews or dry panels and more of these types of like really conversational, almost like fireside chat mm -hmm. interactions. So I thought that was an amazing call out, but I'm still sticking with my prediction, which is an explosion of micro communities. Yeah. I mean, it could be both, right? Like you see some of those micro communities who are putting on those type of events as well. Yeah. So like, um, it's a decent size now. I don't know if it's micro anymore, but like metadata's demand community, for example, they are putting on events, fireside chats, like AMAs with marketers who, you know, have grown companies, done it all, where you can actually engage with the person. And I find that a lot mm. more valuable than, yeah, I, I'm very guilty of signing up for webinars and never going because I know I can just get the recording and watch it on 2X. So I'm looking for stuff that I can't do that with, right? And like, I have to take the time for it. Mm, I love that. I mean, I, I think that what's at the center of what you just described and what's at the center of, of micro communities is this opportunity to engage. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it's in, you know, in both circumstances, it's a format that really facilitates dialogue and collaboration. And I, I, I mean, I think I, I know from conversations I'm having that people really crave that like they don't want their expertise from some random talking head or some stranger on linkedin like they really want to be able to get that get that interaction from somebody that they either can see and and feel closer to that way or they can actually you know interact with and build some sort of relationship with yeah i think especially with you know most of us for the past what three years now have worked in a kitchen office if you're lucky in your mm -hmm. your house right so 
I think if anything, we're all, even if it's not events, like we're all really looking for actual conversation and insight. Um, and I agree with, you know, the talking head thing as well, just because I don't know how to say this in a positive light. So I have to be careful, I guess, but <laughs> a lot of the talking heads haven't done the thing. Mm. It is kind of the thing to watch out for, right? Like a lot of, and you're laughing. So I don't know if you agree or disagree. I totally, but... no, I'm laughing. Cause I'm thinking of a LinkedIn <laughs> post that I had that I actually ended up taking down because it like upset so many people that obviously thought it was about them. I did not name a single name, but like they really told on themselves being like, was this about me? And I'm like, no, but your resume literally is like nine months as an SDR, nine months as an AE. And now you are calling yourself a fractional VP of sales. Like, yeah. <laughs> but they have 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. So like yeah. if people don't know better, if people don't look at the CV, they're like, wow, that person's incredible. They've obviously done the thing or else why would they mm -hmm. be out here making this content that clearly sends the message that they've done the thing? Yeah. And I, I think the interesting thing with that too, is if you turn that following into a micro community, the amount of knowledge you could get is probably insane, right? Like it's mm -hmm. those 20,000 people combined. I'm sure there's thousands and thousands of those who have excellent point of views and, you know, can really provide value. So maybe that is where the shift happens with some of the kind of like micro influencers building those communities. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm curious how marketers are going to scramble to monetize it and like, yeah, get there. And I'm a little worried about what happens there, but yeah. But you know what marketers are, are really good at, I think often better than salespeople is that they are really good at creating conversation. Yeah. And I like, I think what we're going to see a lot in 2023, and this is both within our, our sort of, you know, micro communities, fireside chats, inbound or outbound copy, um, is this desire to be talked with instead of talked at. Yeah. And marketers are, are good. Like they have historically really been able to take the lead on, on, you know, creating that type of dynamic. So maybe some opportunities for the best markers, marketers to really, uh, strike out. For sure. Yeah. No, I think it's either way. 2023 should be super interesting. Um, I, I do want to wrap with one last question because you did mention the book club. What's your go-to book recommendation right now for revenue Ooh. people, sales marketing? My go-to. Yeah. Go so I, I see that behind you, you have never split the difference, yeah. um, which is the book we actually started off uh, in January with for, for business book club. I think that's a, like a new classic. I think the number one book that every single marketing, sales, customer success person should read in 2023 is The Challenger Customer. And I said customer, okay. not sale. The Challenger Customer, which uh, is, it's an incredible, incredible book. Um, so valuable in helping us understand how to navigate complex sales cycle, cycles and complex buying committees. But I think more importantly, um, it's, a book full of incredible illustrations that help us figure out how to speak the language of our customers in a way that is just, I love it. I, it's, it's a, it's a yes for me. Read it. Nice. If you hate it, I will like Venmo you back your $20 that you spent on it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'm going to add that one to the list. I just purchased uh, the jolt effect yesterday because I've heard nothing but good things. That's about Howard's it, so. new book, right? 
Yeah, so I'm, I've been looking for I haven't done anything with it. It's on my Kindle. I haven't touched it. But I'll add your recommendation next up for that one. Sweet. Yeah, people are raving about the Jolt of Fat. Actually, I'm going to be down in um, Dallas in, in March, and we'll get to have some FaceTime with um, Howard. So i got to read it before then. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, if people want to, I know you post a lot on LinkedIn. You mentioned your Patreon. Where should people go to connect with you? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn, for sure. That's my primary channel. If you're interested in the business book club, that's on Patreon. It's literally Patreon slash business book club. Pretty easy to find. Um, and I'm also on TikTok at sales tips talk. Um, so if you prefer video, you can find me there. If you prefer talking head style videos, you can find me there. <laughs> awesome. So I'll include those links in the show notes for our listeners. But Leslie, thanks for joining me. That was fun. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. My big takeaway here was mostly when Leslie spoke about earning the right to intrude in someone's inbox. I just think that's a, a really powerful lens and a smart way to think about actually reaching out to someone because it'd be so easy nowadays to write in a very me, me, me way, focus on automation, playing the numbers game, and really just burning those bridges, especially as more people maybe get a little more desperate and focused on, on driving new business and really crowding channels as always if you enjoyed the episode you can head on over to where you listen to your podcast and click subscribe i'd really appreciate that and we will be back every tuesday with a new episode